Thank you, Jesus. Yes, Lord, only you can steal my soul. Thirst this beautiful morning. Lord, my soul thirsts to be here again in your presence. Thank you, precious Lord, for blessing us with a brand new day. Thank you because it is a brand new season. Thank you for the things that you are doing in our lives. Scripture says to enter your gate with thanksgiving and to come into your courts with praises. So first of all, we enter with thanksgiving this morning. We thank you for the breath in our nostrils. We thank you, Lord, for the gift of life. We thank you for the food on our tables. We thank you that we are able to worship you this morning, that we are able to cry out, Abba, Father. We thank you, O God, for our families. Thank you for the relationships that you have blessed us with. Thank you, Lord, for providing for us. Thank you, Lord, for supplying all our needs. We do not take any of it for granted. Father, we worship you this morning because you are God Almighty. You are all-powerful. We worship you because you are Yahweh. We worship you because only you are worthy of praise and glory. So we join the host of the angels this morning to cry out, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. Be magnified forevermore. Lord, as we dive into and read our Bibles again this morning, we ask that you will speak to us again in your word. Let your words fill our hearts and let your name be glorified in our lives. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. Amen. All right, let me say a big welcome to Devotion this morning. Thank you to everyone joining in. I hope you are doing well. I pray God bless you. God keep you. God give you the desires of your heart in the mighty name of Jesus. For everyone joining us for the first time this morning, thank you so much. Thank you. God bless you too. Uh, please share this devotional with anyone, with everyone you know need to learn more about the, the Bible. You know they need to grow in their faith. And I'm telling you, they will appreciate you for it. Let's drive straight back into reading the New Testament. We are going to read through the entire book of the New Testament. We finished the book of 1 Corinthians yesterday. And today we start with a new book, the book of 2 Corinthians. So a little introduction. Remember, I even in yesterday, in rounding up yesterday, I gave a brief overview of the entire 1 Corinthians and how Paul then concluded his it's it's his letter that is his dead contact with them right uh -huh. so in his letter paul said he was going to come to them he was hoping to come to them very soon and that when he comes he didn't want to stay for a short time he wanted to stay a while right uh -huh. before second corinthians that visit happens paul stays with this corinthian church remember that in his first missionary journey, 
one one of the reason why Paul was not being they were not really taking the authority of Paul seriously was because compared to the other apostles it didn't it didn't look like like it didn't carry the same authority they carried he didn't speak as well as some of them some of them spoke he was a great writer his writings were powerful but his speech was not as powerful as people like Silas and Apollos and Barnabas and the likes okay so that was one of the accusations against Paul. Now, by the time Paul is living with these people, it becomes clear that Paul is going through a lot of suffering. Remember that Paul has been heavily persecuted by the Jews. The Jews have literally, when we read Acts of the Apostles, they have hunted him down. They followed him from city to city, okay? trying to destroy this message to the Gentiles, trying to do everything to stop the Gentile church starting at all. Okay, so on that ground, uh, by the time Paul is writing to the book of 2 Corinthians, uh, that is what he is addressing. Because they are trying to claim that his suffering, his suffering should disqualify him. How can you be an apostle and be suffering and be suffering like this? And Paul will be trying to look. My suffering are a proof of my apostolic ministry and a proof that Christ called me. Hallelujah. I'm telling you this morning, uh, you will be blessed. So please get your Bibles. Let's dive straight in. We will read first and f- the first and second chapter this morning second corinthians chapter one greetings uh, it says this letter is from paul this letter is from paul chosen by the will of god to be an apostle of christ jesus and from our brother timothy okay so we remember when he was ending his last letter he told them that timothy was coming and that they should not intimidate him okay now he says that this letter is from himself and from our brother Timothy. I am writing to God's church, God's church in Corinth, and to all of his holy people throughout Greece. Writing to all of his holy people throughout Greece. Remember what this church were like, right? Uh, And all of the carnality that was happening in this church, and all of the division that was happening in this church. Yet Paul says he was writing to God's holy people, living throughout Greece. It says, May God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ give you grace and peace. And I said, this was Paul's intentional signature in all his writing. May God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ give you grace and peace. It says, All praise to God, all praise to God, the Father of our Lord Jesus, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. God is our merciful Father. Hallelujah. Yes, God is our merciful Father and the source of all comforts. He is our merciful Father and He is the source of all comforts. He comforts us in all our troubles so that we can comfort others. Hallelujah. So Paul is beginning to allude and point us in the direction of what he's going to talk about. Because they say his suffering and the persecution that he has been through disqualifies him or I prove that God was not with him. Yet Paul is saying that God, our Father, our merciful Father, is the source of all comfort. And because he has been comforted by God, 
by the as a result of the things he has suffered the troubles that he has gone through gone through he is able to comfort others so paul turns it on his head paul takes the very thing that they are trying to use to disqualify him and tells them that this is the very thing that qualifies me he says he comforts us in all our troubles so that we can comfort others he says when they, he says comfort others when they are in trouble when they are troubled, we will be able to give them the same comfort God has given us. And that is true, right? Yes, that is true. How do you comfort people when they are going through situations where you know nothing, next to nothing about what they are going through? Okay, because you have been through something similar, you are able to empathize with them. That's what Paul is saying. We are able to comfort others with the same comfort God has given us. Verse 5. For the more we suffer for Christ, the more God will shower us with his comfort through Christ. The more we suffer for Christ, the more God will shower us with his comfort through Christ. The more we are faced with persecution on every side. Paul did not take his suffering as, as, a, as a sign that God was not with him. You know that there are people today just a little suffering. Oh. <laughs> Paul will tell us later that these lights, these things, eh, when he counts the suffering he has been through, eh, being shipwrecked, being beaten, flogged with, with, with lashes several times, you know, left for death several times. Paul said, This light affliction. In other words, they are even light. <laughs> so, this is the key. Paul says that for the more we suffer for Christ, the more God will shower us with his comfort through Christ. Our suffering is not a proof that God has abandoned us. Listen to me this morning. Because you are going through difficult times, don't question God. Don't question God. Don't use. Don't allow Satan put in your heart, eh, how can God be with you and you are going through all of this? That was what Paul is addressing. What That is what Paul is addressing in this letter. Your troubles are not a proof that God is not with you. Your, your troubles are a proof that when God finished comforting you, you have the message, you have the testimony to be a comfort to others. Hallelujah. He says, uh, we shower us with his comfort through Christ. Six, even when we are weighed down with troubles, it is for your comfort and salvation. When we are weighed down with troubles, when we are going through what we are going through, we know it is because God wants to use us to be a blessing. Paul says it is for your comfort and salvation. For when we ourselves are comforted, we will certainly comfort you. Then you can patiently endure the same things we suffer, right? When you see what we have been through, and sometimes... I, I remember that there's a testimony our senior pastor, Pastor Sam, I did even shared with us. You know, there was this man that came to him and he was like, he was very discouraged along with his wife. They were very discouraged. They were, they were discouraged that God was not being faithful. They've been married for several years. They've been serving in church. They've been giving their tithes and offering, yet nothing was happening. Nothing was happening. And this man was, were like, ah, is God still faithful? Is God still faithful? He was asking Pastor Sam, where is the faith? Where is the faith that we preach? Where is the faith? And the reverend had to tell him, <laughs> if it is the faith of Abraham, eh, it is still alive and well. <laughs> if it is still the faith in our Lord Jesus Christ, eh, the one who went to the cross, the Bible says, 
because of the joy that was set before him. He humbled himself to, even to the death of the cross. Not that he already held the result in his hand. So, no, he died. Eh? Not sure. Not sure that he had to trust the father that what he was sacrificing his soul for was going to come to pass. Pastor said that faith is still alive. If it is the faith of Abraham, it is alive, very, very much alive. Eh? And Pastor said, he asked him, do you know how long Abraham waited? Ha, ha, ha. I'm telling you, today they have their baby. Hallelujah. Okay, so Paul says, listen, listen. We are able to comfort others when we ourselves have been through, 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 through things. Okay, so don't allow your troubles push you away from God. I see this again and again in church. When people are going through trouble, they move away from God. Your troubles instead should push you. Let the devil know that if I push him towards trouble, I am pushing him towards God. Wow. How do you think that sounds? If I push him towards trouble, I am pushing him towards God. I'm telling you, the devil will leave you alone. He doesn't want you to be close to God because now his trouble is bringing, is pushing you to God, towards God. Let me give you a little bit of enjoyment. <laughs> Maybe you will forget God in the midst of your enjoyment. Paul says, then you can patiently endure the same things we suffer. Hallelujah. He says, we are confident that as you share in our sufferings, you will also share in the comfort God has given us. Since we think you ought to know, dear brothers and sisters, we think you ought to know about the trouble we went through in the province of Asia. And they will be trying to claim that the troubles he has been through should disqualify him. We want you to, we want, we think you ought to know, dear brothers and sisters, about the trouble we went through in the province of Asia. We were crushed and overwhelmed beyond our ability to endure, and we thought we would never live through it. In fact, we expected to die. <laughs> have you gotten, you have not even gotten to that level. <laughs> Your own is just this little light affliction. Eh? You are giving up already. Paul says, no, in fact, we expected to die. But as a result, we stopped relying on ourselves and learned to rely only on God who resists the dead. In other words, they were willing to trust God to the point we will lay down our lives. And if God wants, he will raise us up again. Amen. <laughs> can you trust God that, that, can you go that deep with God to say, Lord, even if you don't bless me, I will worship you. Even if you don't give me a child, I, I have laid my life on the altar. God, I will serve you. I am telling you, if you come to that point to listen to Paul this morning, you know, Paul says, God, we, I'm telling you, God came through for them. He says in verse 10, and he did rescue us from mortal danger. And I'm praying for someone this morning. I don't know the troubles in your life, the troubles that have been trying to push you away from God. And my God will answer your prayers. Yes, your testimony will land very soon. Yes, that earth-shaking testimony. Yes, that testimony that the world will hear and they will marvel and say, God is indeed faithful. It will happen very, very soon in the mighty name of Jesus. Paul says he did rescue us from, uh, from mortal danger and he will rescue us again. <laughs> we have placed our confidence in him and he will continue to rescue us. Okay, so they were not backing down. And you are helping us by praying for us. Uh, then many people will give thanks because God has graciously answered so many prayers for our safety. All right, let's go on. Chapter, verse 12 says, We can say with confidence and a clear conscience 
that we have lived with a God-given, we, we have lived with a God-given holiness and sincerity in all our dealings. We have depended on God's grace and not on our own human wisdom. That is how we have conducted ourselves. We have conducted ourselves before the world and especially towards you. Remember, they are trying to say that he was not really an apostle. Hmm? The way he's living, he's not really an apostle. He's not carrying himself with this air of arrogance. He's not demanding that people should pay for his preaching. He's not, he's not doing the things that other apostles are doing. <laughs> Paul says, look, we have carried ourselves. We have, see, look, we have preached to you eh, uh, with a clear conscience. We have lived with a God-given holiness, sincerity in everything we did. We depended not on ourselves, so not on our own, we, own human wisdom, but on the grace of God. That is how we have conducted ourselves. I wish we will come back to the point when people conducted themselves with integrity. Ah, when honesty, integrity, loyalty. I meant something again. Hallelujah. It says our letters, our letters have been straightforward. And there's nothing written between the lines and nothing you can't understand. I hope someday you will fully understand us. Even if you don't understand us now, since then, on the day when the Lord Jesus returns, you will be proud of us in the same way we are proud of you. Since I was so sure of your, of your understanding and trust, I wanted to give you a double blessing by visiting you twice. So remember I said he visited them after that, that after first Corinthians. He said, I wanted to give you a double blessing by visiting you twice. First, on my way to Macedonia, he mentioned that in, his, in, in the end of first Corinthians, on my way to Macedonia and again when I returned from Macedonia. He said, then you could send me on my way to Judea. Remember the, the, the offering collection, right? Uh, you may be asking why I changed my plans. Do you think I make my plans carelessly? Do you think I am like people of the world who say yes when they really mean no? As surely as God is faithful, our word to you does not waver between yes and no. Says for Christ, the Son of God, does not waver between yes and no. He is the one whom Silas, Timothy, and I preach to you. And as God, as and as God ultimate yes, he always does what he says. God always does what he says. So Paul had to change his plans slightly, right? Paul says, look, let me give you, let me give you a double warmer. Let me give you a double blessing. I will visit you on my way to Macedonia. And then when I'm coming from Macedonia, I will visit you again. Remember in the end of 1 Corinthians, it was supposed to be one visit. But Paul says, look, we are not, we are not just doing that because we are just being, we are just making our, our decisions, you know, and our plans, you know, carelessly like that. You know, we, we trust in Christ to make our decisions. He says in Christ, Christ Jesus himself, in Christ is our yes and our amen. He says, and through Christ, our amen, which means yes, ascends to God for his glory. It is God who enables us, it is God who enables us along with you to stand firm for Christ. He has commissioned us and he has identified us as his own by placing the Holy Spirit in our hearts, in our hearts as the first installment that guarantees everything he has promised to us. The Holy Spirit in our hearts is the first installment. The fact that you became born again, the fact that now you can hear the voice of God, the fact that now, you always say there is something, something told me, someone told me. <laughs> Paul says it is the guarantee 
that everything God promised us is going to come to pass. So you can be guaranteed about the resurrection. Hallelujah. Amen. So now I call upon God as my witness that I am telling you, telling the truth. The reason I didn't return to Corinth was to spare you from a severe rebuke. Ah, <laughs> was to spare you from a severe rebuke. Let me finish reading, reading the verse. See, but that does not mean we want to dominate you by telling you how to put your faith in, into practice. We want to work together with you so you will be full of joy. For it is by your own faith that you stand firm. I wish I could turn to somebody and tell them, please tell your neighbor. It is by your own faith that you stand firm. <laughs> Not by my own faith. So, now let me go back to the se severe rebuke part. Paul, having written that first letter, the, the, the response he will get, or by the time he gets those who came back from, from the, Corinth, the Corinthian church, it was that they were, they were talking down at Paul. They were talking down at Paul. Who is he? Who is he? Who does he think he is? And Paul says, look, Ah, if I come, ah, yeah, yeah, you guys will not like what you will, you will not like what you will see. That's what they meant by that severe rebuke. Hallelujah. All right, let's quickly jump into 2 Corinthians and now we will pick up, pick up a little bit of speed. We have 17 verses. It says, so I decided that I would not bring you, I will not bring you grief with another painful visit. Eh? For if I cause you grief, who will make me glad? Certainly not someone I have grieved. That is why I wrote to you as I did, so that when I do come, I won't be grieved by the very ones who ought to give me the greatest joy. Hmm? I wrote that letter, I wrote that letter in great, in great anguish, with a troubled heart and many tears. I didn't want to grieve you, but I wanted to let you know how much love I have for you. Okay, so we know that first. First Corinthians, the book we call First Corinthians, that letter we call First Corinthians. Paul was rebuking. It looked as if Paul was rebuking them. The one that was seen in Paul said they should, they should, they should hand him over to Satan. <laughs> Paul said, "I look, I had to talk like that. You know, I wrote that letter in great anguish, with a troubled heart and many tears. I didn't want to grieve you, but I wanted to let you know how much I love, how much love I have for you." So I am now I am not overstating it when I say that the man who caused all the trouble, all the trouble hurts all of you more than he hurts me. The man that was openly, openly sinning, living, living in sin with his stepmother. He says he hurts all of you more than he hurts me. Most of you opposed him, and that was punishment enough. Now, however, it is time to forgive and comfort him. Eh? It is time to forgive and comfort him, otherwise, he may be overcome by discouragement. So I urge you now. I urge you now to reaffirm your love, reaffirm your love for him. So I think we can get a, 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 a bit of lesson here from what Paul meant by excommunication. Paul was not saying that we should throw out people, you know, because he's, Paul said there, hand him over to Satan. And some people have interpreted that to mean that we should, we should excommunicate, we should cease every communication with some people. Okay, that was not Paul's intention. Now Paul is saying that, look, go and bring God and get him back. Forgive him and comfort him. Now that he has shown remorse for what he for the sin he has committed, get him back into the into the fold. How will you do that if you have lost every communication with him? Say, I wrote to you as I did to test you and see if you would if you would fully comply with my instructions. When you forgive this man, I forgive him too. 
And when I forgive whatever needs to be forgiven, I do so with Christ's authority for your benefit, so that Satan will not outsmart us, for we are familiar with his evil schemes. That is what Satan do, does, who, eh? You excommunicate a believer. By the time you anyone goes look to look for that believer, you see that he is now a, a full-blown child of the devil. That is not the purpose of correcting anyone. And that is why Paul would then tell us in the book of Galatians chapter 6 verse 1, let those who are spiritual do the correcting. Because when they do it, they do it with humility, knowing that it is by the grace of God that they themselves are standing. But they are able to correct the believer and still leave him standing in the faith. Say, when I come to the, when I come to, vi- to the city of Torah to, to preach the good news of Christ, of Christ, the Lord opened the door of opportunity for me. But I had no peace of mind because my dear brother Titus hadn't yet arrived with a report from you. So I said goodbye and went on to Macedonia to find him. Verse 14, but thank God he has made us his captives and continues to lead us along in Christ's triumphant procession. Can you say that about your work, your Christianity, your work with God? Paul says, we thank God he has he made us his captives and continues to lead us in Christ's triumphant procession. In other words, we are following Jesus. <laughs> we are following his triumphant procession. We are following Jesus. Now, he uses us to spread the knowledge of Christ everywhere, like a sweet perfume. He uses us to spread his knowledge everywhere. Our lives, our lives are like Christ-like fragrance rising up to God. Wow! Your life, Eh? Your life is a perfume. It's like a perfume. Paul is saying it should be Christ-like. The, 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 the scent you give out for your life, from your life, what people should scent, smell from you, is Christ. Our lives are a Christ-like fragrance rising up to God. But this fragrance is perceived differently by those who are being saved and by those who are perishing. Hmm? To those who are perishing, we are a dreadful smell of death and doom. Eh? They look at us, what is all this nonsense? How can people be wasting their life like this? Wasting away, wasting away, calling themselves Christians. Paul said to them, eh? we are a dreadful smell of death and doom. But to those who have been saved, we are a life-giving perfume. And who is adequate for such a task as this? I'm telling you, only God qualifies us. To be this sweet perfume that people will smell and say, Ah, me too, I want to give my life to Jesus. I pray that that will be your own testimony in the mighty name of Jesus. Paul says, you see, we are not like the many oxters who preach for personal profit. We preach the word of God with sincerity and with Christ's authority. With Christ's authority, knowing that God is watching us. Hallelujah. So two things we've majorly I will, I will focus on this morning. Paul says that our lives are like Christ-like fragrance. And I pray this morning that your life, eh, when people come near you, eh, they will scent, they will smell Christ. Yes, you will give off the scent of Christ. Yes, that's my prayer for you. But I'm sure you know what that means. It means you need to put on that perfume. Eh? You need to put on that cologne. You need to put on Christ. People need to see 
Christ in you live for Jesus. Hallelujah. Secondly, secondly, Paul says, everything we have been through, eh? They do not disqualify us. Aha! They do not disqualify us. Instead, they qualify us. Because everything we have been through, every mess we have been through, God will change into a message. Every test we have been through, God will make into a testimony. A testimony that we will then be able to use to comfort others. So this morning, I'm speaking to someone. I don't know what you have been through. But I pray for you this morning that God will comfort you on every side. If there is any discouragement in your life, if there is any trouble in your life, I pray this morning that the Lord will bring you a season of peace in the name of Jesus. The Lord himself will comfort you in the mighty name of Jesus. Through everything you have been through, God will give you a new anointing in the mighty name of Jesus. Father, we say thank you. We thank you because we are your fragrance. We give you all the praise, precious Lord. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. Amen. All right. Thank you so much for listening today. God bless you. Enjoy your day.